the New Zealand Tech Podcast, brought to you by Gorilla Technology, proactive and strategic IT. Greetings and welcome along to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. This is episode 227, uh, back in New Zealand this week. I'm Paul Spain. And I'm Bill Bennett. Great to see you again, Bill. Yep, you too, Paul. How have your last few weeks been? Oh, busy, 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 busy. Uh, that's good. That's the way. That's the way it should be in this uh, in this business. Now, where do you fit into this world of tech and the media? I'm a journalist. Um, I mainly write about tech and business, and I do other bits of writing for various organisations and so on. Well, always, a, always a privilege to have you on the show. Now, let's jump into our topics for the week. Starting up, uh, we've had hands-on with a whole lot of devices over the last few weeks. It's been the new MacBook from Apple, uh, Microsoft Surface 3, their new uh, sleeker, slimmer, smaller uh, hybrid device, which launches in the market shortly, uh, the Apple Watch, which I picked up in uh, Los Angeles over the weekend, uh, and there's been, uh, I talked last week about the um, Huawei uh, P8 that was launched in London. What I didn't talk about was the talk band that goes with it, so we might have a quick chat about that. But first up, let's, uh, and there's a few other news items, but first up, let's uh, let's jump in and talk about this new MacBook. Now, you've written about this on your on your website at billbennett.co.nz. I wrote a huge amount about it. I yeah, I did some, some, some good analysis. Now, it's quite a unique device, isn't it? You, you were you were struggling to pigeonhole it because it's not a traditional laptop. It's not a hybrid. It's it's not no. a tablet. What is it? it well, it, it sits somewhere to, between a tablet and a laptop, but it's probably near the laptop end of that spectrum. Um, it's definitely not a hybrid. Um, it doesn't have a touchscreen, for example. But it's really a laptop for people who like the the size and the shape of a tablet. Um, and the portability of a tablet, but they want to type on a real keyboard and have perhaps OS X instead of iOS as their operating system. Yeah, because we're talking 920 grams, aren't we? But, I mean, the feel of it, it's super sleek, it it looks cool, it's got that uh, uh, retina or super high-definition display. Um, it's it's quite a capable you know device in, oh, yeah. in most regards. It's got a uh, it doesn't have the highest end processor. It's got the the core M, which doesn't sort of clock up as as fast as some of the um, the the laptop processors. But and it's got you know, eight gigs of RAM, um, one twenty eight or two fifty six worth of uh, SSD storage. So I mean, in terms of actual grunt and capacity, um, it's it's well up from from a tablet in yeah. terms of its capabilities. It right? is. I mean, it's a low-end laptop in in terms of its uh, capacity in that sense um it can run just about everything i need i mean as as we've already discussed i'm a writer so i spend most of my time using word processing software or um, markdown writing in text that kind of um, work and a bit of uh, working in cms direct through a browser oh so you'd be fine in a 10 year old pc then bill well yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I certainly would but yeah, it yeah. does everything i need for sure and i can yeah. keep you know, lots of things open at once and so on. Um, in fact, in that regard, I find the extra, the eight, um, the eight gig of RAM is a bigger difference than the processor um, for what I want to do. Um, it's, it's a lovely device to use. There's a couple of question marks. There's a couple of things that people don't like. Um, some people don't like the keyboard because it's very flat and um, doesn't travel as much as a traditional laptop uh, keyboard. I've been riding on keyboards for 30 years. I find it fine. It's it's just fine for what I do. It's much easier than typing on a detached Bluetooth keyboard with a, a tablet. Um, and it's and it's got a nice size, um, yeah, track 
pad as well, hasn't it? Yeah, and it's, um, it's like, yeah, well, Apple are always very good with building a, 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 a good-sized trackpad, but there's a bit more to it. Yeah, the force click, yeah. Um, force touch rather, and the force touch really, basically it's, it detects the pressure which you touch the touch. Uh, the touchpad with so if you touch the pad hard you'll get um taken directly to a wikipedia links or dictionary definitions if you're in a word processor for example um, there are other things that you can do with it um it's yeah it's a it's a nice advance um overall i'd say that it's as we've already discussed it's it's hard to pigeonhole but it's really very very portable i mean it's not just that it's it's lightweight it's so light that when i travel um with a bag i sometimes get to the other end and i have to open the bag and check that it's still in there because it's that light it's that much lighter than a laptop yeah great position to be in isn't it when you when you're traveling if you you just don't have that hassle of a big hefty laptop yeah it's uh physically it's probably about half the physical volume of a macbook air which you know let's face it is about as thin as thin as light as a laptop needs to be anyway so it's it's very portable you can hold it in one hand quite comfortably if you need to um it's really for people that are on the move and don't need a huge amount of power i wouldn't want to be doing photoshop or video editing there and in, ter- in terms of connectivity, you've got that USB-C connector, an audio connector for your, your headphones, for instance, and, and that's it. The USB-C connector is used for charging. Uh, it's used if you want to connect a monitor. It's used if you want to connect any sort of USB-type uh, yeah, devices. Uh, yeah. But it's that new USB-C uh, connector that carries all those capabilities, but it means it is light in terms of the number of ports. So if you just want to jam in, you know, a couple of different things, you want to jam in an Ethernet connection and so on, um, then yeah, it's not really it's not really geared. It's geared quite to in be used way. with wireless. I mean, it's it's very much a wireless device, and I think Apple have dropped out the ports in the way that they were quick to drop out optical drives and hard drives and floppy drives. They're a bit ahead of the pack on that. I'm pretty sure that other people will do something similar. Uh, maybe not going to the extremes of just one port, but I, I think that's the way things are going. Um, for my use, it's not really an issue except for one thing, and that is is for backup drives. I, I got wireless backup, but I do prefer to use a, a connected backup just for speed. And sometimes, sometimes you do need to connect a phone to your if you've got an iphone you do need to connect it to the um, computer for, to sync itunes properly to do a full itunes sync um i'm not sure how i'm going to cope with that um without a without the, the right ports but mm. there are dongles that you can use to um convert from the usb-c to normal usb and so on yep 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 i th- I, th- I think it's uh, it's pleasing to see apple not just following the same track that, you know, they really have come up with a device here that's different from all of their previous models. Now, some people might compare it to a netbook and to, you know, varying other d- different uh, products that we've seen in the past. But I think it is actually quite unique in its, yeah. in its own right. And it isn't, it isn't something that is an exact match to anything that we've really seen before at all. Mm. Um, and the price point reflects it. It's not a, it's not a low cost device. I think we're talking around the two thousand dollar uh, mark as sort of starting point here in New we Zealand. We are, we are. I mean, it, and it's, um, and that tells you that it's a, it's very much positioned as a premium device as well. It's not positioned as a, a, a toy or a throwaway. 
No, no, not at not at all. Now, um, leading on, now you were talking about how light it was to, uh, to you know to carry, and especially when you're travelling. Um, I was travelling with the new Microsoft Surface Three that launches into the market very shortly, uh, and that was one of the one of the things that I noticed was just just how light it was. Now. It also had the benefit, and I think out of um, two out of the three countries that I that I travelled to, it had the uh, the benefit that uh, you don't have to, in a lot of cases, pull out your tablet when you're going through um, yeah the the security checks at, at customs. Uh, whereas if you've got a laptop, then you have to uh, have to do that. And of course, the Surface Three, although it does bear a lot of similarities to uh, something like a MacBook Air and and a you know a, a slim and light laptop, it does fall into that tablet category. So you're actually uh, off the hook there. So a little bit of, a little bit of extra convenience saves you thirty seconds going through customs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know, but it's um, it's one of those things that you yeah you quickly appreciate. And uh, yeah, I must say I was carrying a few devices. And and one full laptop, and uh, yeah, I th- one country I needed to pull out the the tablets and the laptop, and it was like, oh, okay, where did that go, etc. Uh, and uh, yeah, I think everyone everywhere else it was uh, it was okay, but this new uh, Surface Three, now you've had a look at this too. It's um, it's pretty cool in terms of just how small and light it is, yeah. and. That it's actually it's not as powerful as the MacBook in terms of its processing capabilities. It's got a um, a, a quad core um, yeah Atom the the new um, uh, the X five uh, chip in it, um, but it's sort of more than enough for uh, you know a lot of those basic sort of capabilities, and probably will have some crossover with the MacBook. Now you're paying a price premium for the MacBook. Uh, you know, in part because it does have that higher end uh, processing power. Um, but where do you think the Surface Three will land? Because it's got a much smaller screen, hasn't it? It's ten point eight inch yeah. compared to that on on, uh, for instance, the the Surface Pro Three with it with its bigger screen and so on. Yeah, well, what's it's it's really interesting what uh, Microsoft and Apple are both jamming with the laptop tablet format at the moment and uh, coming up with some um, very innovative designs, very interesting designs. Um, I like the surface a lot, actually. It's and the the um, you know the the slimness, the lightness, and so on is a real um, real plus. I think it's also a squarer screen than previous um, surface models as well, which I, I tend to prefer. Um, my my guess is is that it's for a different type of user, but it's but if you like, if you're if you're a real Windows fan and you don't need to type a lot then the Surface is the way to go. I say that because although the Surface comes with a reasonably good keyboard, it's just not the best keyboard for a lot of typing. Um, they're, they're detachable keyboards, and you can buy one of those soft ones, which is just a flat thing, hmm. or one with the keys of a bit of travel. Um, I'm still not as comfortable typing with them as, as with any laptop or the Surface. I think they've actually got rid of the uh, the slimmer keyboard. They're they're all the um, they're all um, the type the type cover okay. now, which um, yeah seems seems to make some sense certainly from from what i've seen now i could be wrong because i haven't gone through the full full list of accessories there but i but it comes with a stylus yeah well it doesn't come with it you got to pay oh. extra for it oh okay but um, the stylus is a nice but stylus. it fully supports it which the i guess when we look at the predecessors in, su- in terms of the surface 2 or the surface rt they didn't support the stylus right and the stylus is actually one of the sort of killer features of the surface 
And, of course, you get a year's license to Office 365 with one of these as well. So so here's the thing. It's about the price that Office was 20 years ago to buy, <laughs> <laughs> to buy a device with Office. You know, that's not bad, is it? Right. Yeah, I guess when you look at that perspective, yeah, you used to be able to go and buy a full outright copy of um, of yeah of Office for um, yeah it was it was up towards a thousand dollar price point because we're looking at uh, eight hundred dollars for the, uh, the the Surface Three. Now that's without a keyboard or without a stylus, but uh, in the New Zealand market comes with a two year warranty. And let me correct myself on that processor. It's the Atom X Seven, not the uh, not the X5, uh, which is a, um, a reasonably fast chip at 1.6 and bursting up to uh, 2.4, um, up to 10 hours battery life. So you're sort of similar yeah. to um, that that new MacBook in, in terms there. Um, Weight-wise is where it's really impressive. I think 622 grams yeah. Obviously, add on if you're carrying a keyboard, which you're most likely to do so. But this this is this is very much something that you carry around without noticing it too much. I think I think that's right. I mean, if if because I'm a journalist, I need a proper keyboard, and um, that so the laptop would be the way I would want to go. But if I was travelling on business and I was you know a, a non-writing all day type of business person, that would do. That would do me, and it's certainly a good thing to take if you're going away for a few weeks. Yeah, you don't want to lug a lot around with you. Yeah, no, absolutely. It was, um, it was certainly very convenient from that uh, perspective, travelling. And now Microsoft have taken a different approach, which I guess is more normal with um, with just being that that extra flex flexibility that Microsoft uh, like to add, in that they've got the micro SD card. Um, you know, you've got a bit more expandability as, you know, as such in terms of, uh, yep, leave your charger plugged in, but also plug in a USB device, uh, also plug in a monitor and, and, and so on. Yeah, yeah. It's, 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 it's a really nice approach to the whole thing. I mean, um, I guess that it's also the death of RT, which is probably not going to be mourned, although I actually quite like the earlier Surface with RT. Um, I was probably one of the few people who really enjoyed that. Yeah, I mean, it it, it was it was uh, you know it was fine for what it did, um, but by giving you the full blown version of of you know Windows now, um, you know you're just getting a whole lot more for your money, aren't you? And you're not yeah. uh, you're not really paying uh, yeah much more in, in in terms of the cost of this device, but it's got that full window, so you're not locked out of certain things like you were with uh, with RT. So um, you know I can see why Microsoft. Has taken that approach, and um, you know, have um, I guess upped their their commitment to uh, Intel. But I think the RT was probably necessary. There was a yeah. there was a time there when it wasn't clear that Intel were going to come to the party and have the right uh, you know low power chips that would allow you to power a device like this for uh, as long as you're able to on on the current uh, chips, and hence why they had to effectively go for a. Um, you know, a, a processor that was normally used in smartphones and uh, and and tablets with the uh, the Surface RT product. I think it was an interim product, yeah, but that, but that, but but a good one, and um, you know, I'll mourn it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Now, on to uh, on to this little gadget that I've been wearing on my on my on my wrist for a, for a few days. I've got uh, to tell you, people. 
Paul loves this watch. <laughs> <laughs> hey, don't 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 you hassle me for uh, for enjoying uh, enjoying the new technology and uh, um, the I guess yeah the 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 fascination of being able to experiment and 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 try these things out. Um, no, I. I do like the Apple Watch, and uh, I, I guess you know there are a few things that sort of uh, stick out to me. One is, and you know, you were talking about this when we were chatting earlier. Uh, you know, one is the design and the yeah. build, and how you know how they've put it together. Now, there are some other you know great sm- um, smartwatches in the in the market. Um, you know, that are quite nice from a stylistic perspective. Um, so Sony's um, Sony's latest, the the steel version of um, um, of their latest smartwatch is very nice um that was one at at ces that sort of jumped out to me when they unveiled it there um but yeah the apple watch just seems to be a little bit unique from a number of perspectives um one from that uh, fashion perspective in terms of just you know having something that suits you there's some really nice you know bands and and options and sure 99.9% of the world aren't going to be Buying a seventeen thousand uh, dollar Apple Watch, and I think there's some there's some kinks that Apple have got to work out there in terms of if you're going to sell a watch at that price point, how Fantastic. you how you offer <laughs> uh, how you offer upgrades and yeah. and and so on. I'm not not quite sure that they've found the right footing there in terms of how they operate. Um, but you know, in terms in terms of the watch itself, it was interesting being in uh, Los Angeles uh, over the weekend because it was uh, you know it was there with with the the launch, and of course most people weren't able to order an Apple Watch on launch for immediate delivery. I think uh, um, when Apple put it put it online uh yeah basically even those that were were online at the at the at the at the time of orders opening uh most of them couldn't get an order in for delivery until june so it was interesting they opened up uh, these i think about five stores around the world where you could uh uh walk up and get one and of course in los angeles where i was it was walk up to a queue of you know 300 or so uh uh, uh people so still not very easy to actually uh, uh get one but i managed to uh, uh wrangle wrangle or something and, and and get away with one. Um, I think one of the things that stood out for me, one is just the the nice sort of um, I call it the the, the home screen there, which uh, you know I've I've got, which just you know shows you a whole bunch of useful information, such as what appointment you've got up next. So I can see uh, I've got the current time uh, blocked out for Bill Bennett, and uh, um, yeah, varying varying other um, things there in terms of time and and, and date and uh, another city's time and so on. Um, but it's really the apps. The fact that there's a whole lot of apps and the way that they're able to come up and notify you is is quite slick. And I think Apple just has that weight with app developers uh, to to be able to get a really good uh, selection of apps onto uh, onto their device uh, at launch. And uh, the one, the I guess the ones I've got on there, I've got Uber on there, which Bill, we, we chatted earlier about sort of the, the time involved to develop these. It looks like the apps are very simple and light, doesn't yeah, it? It does. Um, yeah, the the Uber app, for instance, if I uh, if I click on the Uber app, all that all that comes up is it links back to my uh, it links back to my iPhone. And it comes back, and um, yeah, based on on where you are and and what's available, it'll tell you if there's a uh, if there's a car available, and uh, if you want uh, want to book that, you just you just click and uh, and the, you know and the vehicle's booked. So a very very simple app. Um, you just book one then. 
Uh, no, I didn't actually. <laughs> um, uh, where we are at the moment, there isn't one available. Um, the other, the other app which uh, which I had to play with uh, over the weekend, uh, being travelling, was the Air New Zealand app, and that lets you check in from your uh, from from your watch. Uh, and then you, I've got Twitter on there, and you know a, 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 a few others. Um, but yeah, it's nice that so many you know I guess companies have come on board very quickly. Now the other thing that stood out to me was Siri, and really just how good that is now. Um, I've used it for a bunch of stuff. Now, some of the apps like Twitter, the integration and their testing, you know, I think will get better reasonably quickly now they've got their hands-on devices because I, I tried to reply to a tweet and although Siri's uh, you know, capability of capturing what I said was very good, uh, the app sort of um, seemed to time out on me and sort of kicked me out. But I was in an Apple store with somebody giving me a, a demo in the, over the last couple of weeks and it was very packed out, noisy, and uh, we used the um, the Siri on the Apple Watch, and it was it was virtually flawless. The result was very very good. And I used it uh, yesterday actually in my car. The radio was sort of blaring, and uh, and and I uh, you know dictated something to the phone uh, to the to the Apple Watch, and uh, it it picked it up perfectly. So I think uh, that side of things now that there's just so many users out there, this stuff is getting a lot of use. Is just getting uh, better and better. And handling my uh, my Kiwi uh, twang as well. Yeah, I have a problem with that because my accent is neither one thing nor the other, just <laughs> believe it or not. So, so oh, we might have to do some testing with that later, yeah. Bill, and uh, yeah, just just see how uh, how we can go with that. Uh, now, the the last um, or the other wearable that I wanted to talk about, and of course, I was in L- London uh, the last couple of weeks for uh, Huawei's uh, P8 smartphone launch. But the the other thing that they made available to uh, to media at the launch was their new uh, talk band that they announced at Mobile World Congress. Now, um, I'm wearing this one at the moment, and it's the um, they've got some sort of uh, more um, plasticky ones. Um, well, that's probably the, the wrong description, but I've got the uh, the the sort of gold coloured one. I was going to say that's not the marketing term. Is it plasticky? <laughs> no, I'm sure they don't they don't use that. I've got the gold one. There's uh, there's a black one and at least one other. Um, but I think that the uh, the gold one maybe isn't quite a, at the same uh, level from a waterproof uh, dustproof perspective um, as as the other ones. So the way they're they're built maybe um, allows them to to deal with water a little bit better. Um, I wouldn't go swimming in this, for instance. Um, but it's a, a quite a sharp looking device, yeah, isn't it? So it's all right. Yeah, yeah. And what's interesting is it looks like it's just a piece of metal there, but it's actually got a screen underneath it. Yeah, so you're looking at you're looking at it, and it lo- yeah, it looks like some sort of some weird piece of jewellery, um, bangle. One, yeah, some <laughs> sort of band. Um, but you, yeah, you wake it up, and sort of it appears to be sort of shining through the the metal uh, as the actual display. So it's it's come up now with the time. It's confirming the Bluetooth connection and the date and so on, and that's touchscreen. So I can scroll through, and uh, right now I'm looking at how many steps I've done for the day, calories burned, uh, how much time I've. Spent spent uh, running today which isn't a huge amount um, the amount of hours sleep that I got last night you know it's typical sorts of things that we see on these sort of fitness bands um, but the unique is there's a couple of buttons at the bottom just pressing that now and I've basically removed all the smarts um, I removed the piece and I've now got a, uh, a Bluetooth uh, headset that just can uh, um, latch onto my ear and um, it's got a, a small little uh, 
how would you describe that, Bill? Little like hook. Well, it's not really a, a little hook, rubber piece, but yeah. it but it slides into your ear, and uh, you've got that Bluetooth, um, you know, um, Bluetooth. I'll call it headset. I know there's another there's another term for it, but yeah. uh, you know, people can look pretty silly wearing earpiece. these things around all day. Earpiece. That's yeah. it. Um, wearing these things around all day, and it's not something most of us would tend to do. But having it on your wrist like that, so you can pull it out and use it when you when you need to, and then put it away. Um, Actually, is quite is quite good, and I've used this quite a number of occasions. And uh, driving, been, been, I would been pretty pleased with it. Well, especially when you're travelling and yeah. hooking up Bluetooth to a different car, and you know those sorts of uh, yeah. situations. Um, yeah, just being able to pop it in your ear, or you're at your keyboard, and uh, you you know you're you're talking and and working. Um, yeah, very handy little uh, little gadget. So uh, that together, and I think it'll work with the iPhone as well as with um, you know Huawei's P8 and and any other uh, Android device. So it's uh, it's reasonably flexible in those regards, so quite cool. I'm not sure what the details are there on a New Zealand launch yet. Now, a couple of other uh, subjects we've got on the uh, the uh, agenda. Bill um, Zero, they've announced some um, well losses that are nearly t- twice as big as uh, the previous year. This but is kind of an interesting one because it's there's two sides to this. Isn't yeah, it? it sounds bad if if you're thinking of Zero as a traditional company, but they're not traditional, far from traditional, and in fact. Um, losing more money is kind of a good thing because their <laughs> um, their customers are up. I think it's um, I think we saw it was up sixty seven. No, their that's right. Their, their amount of um, their revenue is up sixty seven percent, and I think their customer numbers have close to doubled during that period. So what's happening is they're spending money to win market share. Now, in a normal run of things, if you're selling um, computers, then that's not necessarily a good way of doing it. But when you're selling a subscription, when people are going to pay you money every month for the next 10 years, or hopefully, I would imagine, zero is hoping forever, and they don't churn a lot, it's actually a really good way of doing business. So, um, so the faster they lose money, the quicker they grow, the more likely they're building momentum. And they're showing some traction in the US. Now, it's not a lot of traction. I think we were discussing this earlier, and it's they're only up to about 1% market share in the US, which, you know... Well, well pro- probably le- less than that, depending on how you uh, how you define it. But they grew 133% in the US, yeah. but off a, off a very small base. So I guess they've, they've got a great opportunity in the US, and if they can capture that... Uh, then you know their current uh, valuation. I know their share price, you know, has has dropped a little bit, uh, you know, since since this earnings announcement. But if they can get any sort of significant market share in the US, uh, that will more than justify their their, their current valuation and yeah. and and then some, won't it? And a couple of percent in the US is the same is the same as the New Zealand market anyway. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so let's have some perspective there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Look, I think I think the thing is is the bottom line is is that the company's actually doing quite well. Um, shareholders aren't necessarily happy, but. Um, that's possibly because they had unrealistic expectations and the price was a bit higher than um, it perhaps should have been. But in general, the prognosis is good. And if I was buying shares, I'd be looking at, you know, piling some into zero at the moment. Interesting. Yeah. Oh, well, we will um, 
we'll we'll look forward to how that progresses. And they've got ZeroCon uh, actually kicking off in uh, Auckland, their uh, Zero Conference uh, this week. So uh, so it'll be interesting to see see what comes out of that too. Now another event uh, you've been at is the uh, Open Source Open Society Conference in uh, in Wellington. Any uh, any highlights that stood uh, stood out f- for you there, Bill? Well, there was there were a, a lot of good presentations. Um, the key thing that I learned from that was just how important. Um, open source software can be to the economy um, the lesson was the, the thing that emerged was that um, New Zealand's exports something like 90% of the IT technology exports that come out of New Zealand are actually services not hardware or software so what that means is is that the um, if the cost of software goes down to zero the opportunities for services increase and that's actually good for our economy Right, so there's a, there's a there's a pretty good uh, pretty good you know f- flow on flow yeah. on effect there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that that's interesting, isn't it? Um, now Uber, they've increased their prices locally from a dollar fifty per kilometer to to two dollars for those that, that are riding an Uber vehicle. It's a thirty percent increase. That's a um, that's that's pretty substantial, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, getting a 33 percent increase there. Um, now, I think this is just one of the standard sort of knobs that, that they're able to turn because they can either, you know, wind up the prices, which attracts more drivers, maybe they'll lose some customers, or they can go the other way, which is to cut prices, yeah. uh, maybe upset a few drivers, but attract, you know, more, more people to ride the service. Um, it seems quite common that they do this. In fact, when I was in Los Angeles, uh, not on this visit, but a previous visit, I'm, I'm pretty sure that one of the comments that I had from uh, from a, a, the driver that I was sort of you know querying a little bit about you know how it worked for them was that they had said that their prices had been cut on them so you know I think we, we'll probably see these move about a bit more than would be common with for instance a traditional uh, taxi service I think it's it works a bit like um, any kind of exchange pricing you know the price up, goes up and down according to demand which which is actually partly how Uber works anyway mm, mm, but um but, right. but they, they'll probably have these big changes based on you know other considerations so it's going to move around a bit mm. yeah it was just a, it was a bit of a surprise to see what in percentage terms was a very large increase uh when when i jumped off the plane earlier on the week and uh yeah as as it happened there wasn't a uh, a vehicle available and in fact uh auckland international airport sort of falls out outside when you know when you visit their website and they've got an area that's sort of you know highlighted uh, the airport's actually not in it oh. and uh, you know you, you whether you get a vehicle when you're when you're there or on North Shore and various other areas of, of Auckland um, is a little bit hit and miss and uh, you know yeah and it, it- the price rise changes the economics slightly. That um, if I was to get a Uber home from the city, it would now be, I think, slightly more expensive than getting a cab home. Yeah, yeah, I think. Well, it depends because you, you get a variation of cabbing pro- cab yeah. prices and so on as well. And it was interesting. There was a uh, when I was in London, there was a protest in Oxford Street with the uh, uh, the, the the London uh, taxi drivers, London yeah. cabbies, uh, were were you know I guess wanting to send a message of how important that they they were. And although I didn't like their method, which was basically to block up the entire traffic and have a car just sit stand still uh, and not move and, and until all the other traffic went absolutely nuts with horns and so on after you know i don't know how many minutes before they eventually moved um but they were handing out some flyers highlighting the things that that look they're locked into and that they have to do in terms of 
disabled access to vehicles and uh, you know not being able to uh, decline someone a ride and so on and so you know th- th- those were, were good points and I think it you know highlighted that we're going to either need to address those with uh, new types of, of transport like Uber or there's going to have to be you know longer term a model that that allows both to operate without one uh, one going out of business because we still need uh, you know th- those sorts of services and you need some level of competition as well. Oh, of course. Yep. Well, we, we we hope so. Although that doesn't exist in all places, and no. you know, sometimes we land with natural uh, monopolies, like you know, like we have done with uh, uh, tr- you know, trade me here in New Zealand, yeah. for instance. Right um, now, one last topic: uh, internet speeds. We have had some varying, uh, you know, reporting around this after the figures came through. Um, who was it? That, TrueNet. That, TrueNet that yeah. uh, um, the re- report on our internet performance and so on here in New Zealand have been highlighting that at, at, at peak times, and you know, I think they're referring to the, you know those peak times in the evening. Uh, they're saying, look, it seems like there's a lot more people likely watching, or since Netflix launched, that are that are watching uh, streaming video in terms of um, uh, their consumption rather than watching TV, and that seems to be having some sort of an impact. There was some confirmation of that this morning from Flip, which is one of the Cool Plus um, ISPs, um, and they're trying to sell people, get people to move to VDSL to make more use of Netflix but they were saying that they has graphs showing how the traffic had taken off since the Netflix service started yeah so it's definitely there's definitely a phenomenon but I'm I'm a bit dubious because um, although that quite that that can be happening it's quite easy for the um, various ISPs and so on to buy more capacity if that's what they need it depends uh, where the issues are happening, yeah, though, it isn't does, it? Because it? there are there are you know um, if you're on the fibre network, then that you know that's geared up with a lot of capacity, sort of woe to go. Yeah. So uh, you know, it doesn't matter where you are, you should be able to get good performance unless your ISP isn't buying enough. But within the sort of DSL networks, there are points there where there can be congestion, which a, an ISP can't really do a whole lot to get around unless they would have, you know, they would have put their own sort of equipment well, in. They, well, and a lot, and some of them do. I mean, uh, Cool Plus does, for example, has a lot of exchanges. Which yeah, but I think, you know, we've got some of, some of the older types of deals, especially where you've got situations yeah. with ADSL1 and so on, and, um, you know, there just isn't the sort of backhaul from that back into the internet providers well, network, so then they're kind of yeah. stuck. So, yeah. Um, but, yeah, newer connections are, are better, and ultra-fast broadband, you know, is really the, you know, the ultimate solution at, at, yeah. at this stage, um, because there's... There's lots of bandwidth available from you know from the home right back to uh, the ISP, and then it just comes down to you know, what you were alluding to in terms of are they spending uh, enough in terms of their capacities from there. Uh, but yeah, you know, that depends on the 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 provider of the video service and where their where their information sits, where it's cached and so yeah. on. Whether it has to go offshore, whether it's local and Netflix. Uh, I think Netflix is so actually cached in Sydney. So there are, and there are varying things like you know YouTube. Some ISPs will have local uh, caching, some won't. And yeah. of course, there's there's huge amounts of data, so it, de- it depends on what you're looking for, whether it's cached or not. Um, but yeah, I think that's going to be an interesting one to to watch, just to see what happens as you know consumers move away from traditional broadcast mechanisms to on demand content and i think what we're seeing now is really just the the thin end of the wedge there's going to be a lot more uh movement over the next sort of 12 to 24 months 
and you know there'll maybe be people that move from somewhere with UFB to somewhere that's got maybe only ADSL uh, and you know we'll start seeing more pressures and and you know that's going to have you know I guess a flow on effect maybe for landlords that are trying to rent out a house that uh, uh, has got a very slow internet connection or even you know people buying and selling uh, homes in, in those areas because we will expect a, a level of performance that's consistent and so that will come down to your location and your provider and so on the ufb will all be done in four years so um so yeah it might you might need a bit of patience to wait for the last but that doesn't reach 100 percent of homes of no, course 75% so uh, of homes, yeah. um, 75 and i think that's being bumped to 80 isn't it with yeah the, with roughly the, the, yeah the, the, the um, next, the and some, some of those rural places are on fiber networks anyway as well so that there, um, so there will be probably in the end that probably about eighty five to ninety percent of the population will be able to get some decent speeds. Mm-hmm. Well, we might get uh, we might talk to Crown Fibre on an upcoming episode. Get a little bit of an update on what's happening in this sort of uh, you know next lot of uh, of UFB and, and and what that means because I think they're putting it out to the councils to actually sort of um, yeah bid as it were or, or, they're or, or asking, put their they're asking people to bid yeah yeah, yeah. or bids maybe not quite the right word but to 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 give a reason on you know why one town should get it over over another and how they're going to take advantage oh, of it so. Asking- um, the, um, they're also asking the builders to bid as well. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yes, that side of it. Yes, that's true. So, yeah, there's the two sides. There's the those that are going to uh, implement it, and then there's the, the the places that want it. All right. Well, that's us for uh, for this week. Uh, thank you again, Bill, for uh, for joining the show. Now, what's the best place to uh, what's the best place to track you down? Um, BillBennett.co.nz. That's with two N's and two T's. If you're searching, uh, that's my website. And Bill Bennett NZ on Twitter. Excellent. And you can track me down on Twitter at Paul Spain or, or through any of the other social networks or uh, paulspain.com. Uh, and you can uh, find us, the NZ Tech Podcast, on Twitter also at nztechpodcast.com and uh, podcast.co.nz. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. We will be back again next week. See ya. The New Zealand Tech Podcast. Brought to you by Gorilla Technology, proactive and strategic IT.